And we are continuing our series, The Minor Prophets, Who Cares? Uh, we're playing on the double meaning of who cares. Who cares can mean two things. First, who cares can just simply mean doesn't matter. Uh, in the video, there are guys preaching to a bunch of empty chairs. No one is there to listen, so who cares what is said? Second meaning of who cares describes a person who is passionate about something. I'm a person who cares if the air conditioning isn't working. Um, both of the meanings of who cares apply to the minor prophets. Uh, minor prophets, on one hand, are the most overlooked books in the Bible. Um, who cares about the minor prophets because no one really reads those books? On the other hand, the prophets were people who cared. The minor prophets were passionate, passionate about faith in the God of Israel. And their passion led them to speak out and challenge the people. And because they were prophets, if it mattered to them, it must have mattered to God. So in this series, we are looking at some of the minor prophets, discovering what they cared about, and allowing them to speak out and challenge us. In week one, we looked at the minor prophet Haggai, who cared about the rebuilding of the temple. Last week, Pastor Devin opened up the book of Habakkuk and saw that Habakkuk cared about keeping watch for what God was going to do next. This morning, we're turning to the prophet Micah. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Micah, chapter 6. Uh, the minor prophets are uh, some of the last books in the Old Testament. They are all relatively short, so it's easy to, easy to miss one of them. Micah is the seventh to the last book in the Old Testament. You can also look it up on your phones. But Micah cared about justice and mercy. God made Israel into a nation, and Israel was not faithful to God. And for years, prophets had been warning Israel about their unfaithfulness, their idolatry, and injustice. Now, after King Solomon, there were two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Uh, northern kingdoms in the blue, southern kingdoms in the yellow. And the prophets warned them that because of their idolatry, because of their injustice, God was going to send other nations and destroy them, which is exactly what happens. About 720 years before Jesus, the northern kingdom falls to Assyria. And about 590 years before Jesus, the southern kingdom falls to Babylon. Micah began his ministry just before the fall of the northern kingdom. And he lived to see the Assyrians conquer them. And while Micah lived in the southern kingdom, he spoke to both. And the Israelites thought that if they honored God in their worship, meaning that they offered the right sacrifices in the right way at the right time, that God would spare them from the Assyrians. But Micah tells them that honoring God in their worship isn't enough. God wants them to honor him with their lives. Our scripture reader for this morning is Sid Perry. So Sid, please make your way up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. We read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives. And we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so Sid, whenever you're ready, please read from Micah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. 
For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Sid, thank you very much. You may be seated. I grew up with uh, five siblings. My parents were married in the summer of 64. My sister was born in the summer of 65. Another sister was born in the fall of 66. My brother was born in the fall of 67. My mother had a miscarriage either in 68 or 69. Uh, another brother was born in the spring of 70. I was born in the fall of 71. And then I had another brother born in the summer of 77. We lovingly called him the accident. Uh, wasn't really good for his self-esteem, but we had fun. Um, when you have that many kids that close together, there are going to be fights. And while I never saw my parents fight or argue, us children, we fought all the time. And my parents didn't like it when we fought. Um, our, my sisters would fight over things like, you know, who got to use the bathroom in the morning to get ready. Those were scary fights. Um, our, my, us brothers, we'd fight when we played in the yard. You know, I don't remember what half the fights were about. A lot of times it was just silly stuff. There was one time um, my parents were gone and my sister Anne wanted me to do the dishes. And I didn't want to do the dishes. So after a little fighting, I did the dishes. Um, but, but, I did not rinse out the sink because that's not doing the dishes. That's cleaning the sink. She only asked me to do the dishes. So she said, hey, you're not done because you didn't clean out the sink. I said, I was done. It was a dumb thing to fight over. It would take 10 seconds to clean out the sink. But it was a power play because if I clean the sink, then she wins. And if she cleans the sink, I win. So what was the right thing to do? Well, as I reflect upon it years later, I guess maybe if I was doing the dishes, I should have cleaned out the sink. <sighs> my sister was right. Please don't tell my sister I just said that, and I really hope she's not watching the live stream. Um, and again, my parents didn't like it when we fought. Now, why do parents want their kids to get along? Because parents love all of their children. If one child hurts another child, it hurts the parent. Siblings need to treat one another fairly and kindly because when we don't, we hurt our parents. God cares about justice and mercy because God cares about all people. 
God called Israel to be his firstborn son. And as a chosen nation, Israel needed to treat each other with justice and mercy. They needed to treat foreigners with justice and mercy. And so for Israel to claim to love God and to be his people, and then to act unjustly and cruelly, while in God's eyes, that was not going to fly. That was not okay. So who cares about justice and mercy? Well, Micah did, because God does. Going to the very end of the passage that we just read, going to verse 8, the Lord says, what is required? Justice, mercy, humility. As it says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God is saying, I am just asking for a proper response for the grace that I have shown you. Thank me by how you live. Just as parents want their children to get along by playing nice, treating one another fairly, and loving each other, the three things that God is looking for, justice, mercy, walking humbly. People matter to God, and if they matter to God, they should matter to us. Justice is determining what is right. That word for justice is actually, it has legal implications. A judge is to determine what is right. So in a court case, the judge needs to rule in a fair way. So if I, in good faith, loan one of you $1,000 interest-free and you don't pay it back, well, the judge should rule you to pay me that $1,000 back. Now, that is the right thing to do even if the judge is friends with the person who owes the money. Justice. Determine what is right and then do it, even if it's not in your best interests. Mercy is loving kindness. Now, the word for mercy in the Hebrew used here is a word called hesed. And hesed is used in the Old Testament to describe God's love for us over and over and over and over and over again. We are to imitate the loving kindness God shows us by practicing loving kindness to each other. It's mercy. Walking humbly is simply being submissive to God. There are things God's going to ask us to do. We're not going to want to do them. Walking humbly with God means submitting to God even when we don't want to. Justice, mercy, walk humbly. Now we have with us today one of our mission partners, Remember New. And they're a mission partner with us and they work to prevent children from being sold into human trafficking. And we have both the founder and namesake of that organization with us here today. It's a big deal, they're here. Uh, before we invite them up to share, uh, we just wanna watch a short video about their ministry. Go ahead and play that video. The United Nations currently estimates that at least 40 million people are being trafficked at any one point in time. 79% of those enslaved are women and children. 1.2 million children are trafficked each year in the global sex trade, more than ever before in history. 
When I was 12 years old, I remember my family had very difficult life. Because my family did not have work, my grandmother had to borrow the money. She borrowed the money to buy food for my family. She had to pay high interest every day on the money she borrowed. One day, I saw a lady talking with my grandmother when I came back from school. My grandmother told me I might stop going to school. When she said that, I knew I might be so. Remember New is here to offer a better way, to redirect the lives of children at risk, to end child sex slavery through prevention. Our staff work with community leaders to identify children at risk and offer to raise them in a safe, secure home. Instead of a life of worry, each child is raised in a loving environment with other children from their community. They have a bed to sleep in and three meals a day. They attend school, have daily devotions, and help out around the house. On Sunday, they go to church, and perhaps for the first time, they can relax, play, and not worry where their next meal is coming from. They leave our homes as educated, independent young adults. Our research shows that our involvement in a community reduces the risk of a child being used in the sex trade by 77%. When remember Nu came and helped me, my life started changing. I am born again. I would like to tell the sponsors that I love them. May God bless them for the work of their hands. Again, they are all about justice and mercy. And so we want to give them a minute to share about their ministry. So I'm going to invite Christy Pickett, who is our Director of Missions here at TFRC, and Carl Ralston, who's the founder and president of Remember New, and then New, who's the namesake of the organization and her story, is the basis for the formation of the organization. So come on up here, guys. Will you please welcome them for me? Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, we are so glad they're joining us today and we get the opportunity to hear more about Remember New. Carl, tell us how you were called into this mission and, and how you got it started. In 2003, I was a businessman and I got to go on a vision trip where they flew international workers in to tell us what was going on in each of their prospective companies countries and what God was doing in them. And the last speaker was from Cambodia and he talked about child sex trafficking and how they lock children in rooms as sex slaves. And in 2003, probably none of you had heard of that and I hadn't heard of it either. And so that was pretty shocking. Then he put a picture of New and three other young ladies up on the screen and I had been going through the dark night of the soul where it seems like God is silent in your life for 11 months. And during that time, I could just see Jesus shining through her face. I think God supernaturally did that. 
And as I was sitting there, I was relating to New as my sister in Christ and in all of how we were siblings on two different sides of the world. And about that time, the international worker said that New fell prey to this situation. And right at that moment, God broke those 11 months of silence in my life and put two words on my heart, remember New. And I just broke down crying, overwhelmed with what that meant. And during the next week, I did some fasting and praying. And at the end of that time, I realized God was calling me to do something about it. And so one day on my knees praying, I just said, God, until the day I die, I will do everything within my power to end child sex slavery through prevention. And, and that was an incredible journey. Six trips to Cambodia over a couple years to, to find her. So it's amazing, your commitment. New, I've heard you're gifted in multiple languages. How many? And can you say hello in a few of them? My first uh, language, my um, is Vietnamese and Cambodia. So I speak a little bit uh, Chinese, uh, Thai, and Spanish. And hello, xin chào, sus day, ni hao, sabandika, hola. Thank you. Such a great gift. Your family was a Vietnamese uh, refugees living in Cambodia. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? In Cambodia, we live with my uncle, my aunt, her husband, my niece, and my grandmother. So we have six people live in one's house, and we always have a blue top for our roof. And it was uh, tiny, uh, like 10 feet by 12 feet. And we have three single beds for six of us, and we have to go to shower outside and cook food. And it was uh, dressed everywhere, and it always smelled bad. And it was the river near my house is really polluted and smell worse. Yeah. That must have been tough. So can you share a little bit of your story, how you accepted Jesus into your life? Because um, I couldn't go to regular school because my family didn't have a paperwork to show that I was born in Cambodia. So I, they didn't accept me to go to Cambodia school. So I went to Vietnamese school that was uh, sponsored by church. And I learned Bible each day, and that's how I know about Jesus and become a Christian. Thank you. So when I heard your story for the first time, through lots of tears, I remember thinking at the worst moment of your life that you prayed. And, and could you tell us a little bit about what you prayed and why? Building this horrible time, I pray a prayer to God. God, please use me and prevent this happening to other children. And I want, because I want another children to grow up and have a good life and be normal children. I think the reason that God spoke, remember, new to my heart, he could have said one of 30 million names that they said at the time had been trafficked. But the reason he chose her was she kept loving her family who had sold her and didn't get embittered. And in the worst moment of her life, she was seeing children walk to school 
and she prayed that prayer for them that they not have to suffer this and she wasn't concerned with herself and that's why I believe God spoke remember new rather than one of those other 30 million names. Absolutely. So new, could you share your amazing transformation story of your life and where you are now? I am married to my amazing husband Gabriel. I live in America now. We've been married for six years, and we have a daughter, two years old. Her name is Catalina, and my husband and I have a small business together. My husband is a barber, and I do nail. Mm, praise God. That's awesome. So, Carl, how can we be a part of this amazing ministry with Remember New to help prevent this human trafficking? Our greatest need is for people like you to sponsor our children especially in our two Tanzanian homes. And what that looks like is there's three different levels. We try and find sponsors for each child. One is a parent level where someone gives $60 a month. One is a cousin level where someone gives $40 a month. And then a sibling level where they give $20 a month. And those three sponsorships pro provide for all of the needs of the children up through college in our homes. And a second big need is for prayer. My wife heads up two prayer teams. One is a more intimate one that she sends out monthly updates. Uh, another is a quarterly one, a little higher level uh, prayer request. And the third way is we have expenses that we need to cover, one-time expenses for vehicles and to build children's homes. Well. Thank you guys so much for helping us to be aware and to help us bridge the gap to prevent this human trafficking, and we get to partner with you. So thank you so much for that. Um, New and Carl are both going to be in the mission corner of the Octagon, along with Chrissy Griff, which is our local representative. They would love to answer any questions you might have or sign you up to sponsor a child. Um, please stop by there. Also, if you want to hear more, we're going to be over in the gym after this service. Um, and we're going to do lunch, and they'll get to share a little bit more, and you can ask questions as well. So thank you guys for thank being you. here. Again, thank you for both being here and the work that you guys do. Um, again, missions challenge this morning will go towards Remandu. There's envelopes in the back by the boxes if you'd like to give. And I'm just going to echo, they'll be in the missions corner after the service, but then the lunch in the gym, uh, you can make your way on over there too. If, if uh, you don't have lunch plans, let me strongly encourage you uh, to go there and just to hear more about what they do. Um, justice and mercy. It was not happening in the land of Israel. And so Micah rebukes them. Um, going back to verses 1 and 2 in the passage. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up and plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a, has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. God has a charge against Israel. He finds offense with what his people are doing. And God is slow to anger and abounding in love, but he has a case against his people. And the hills and the mountains, 
They are his witnesses. They are ancient foundations. And they actually, they make good witnesses uh, to the accusations because one, mountains and hills, they have been around the whole time. And they've had the vantage point to see everything Israel had done. And so God makes his charge against his people. Micah offers a rebuke. And Micah reminds the people of God's goodness. He gives a recollection of what God has done where it says in verse three, my people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. God says, what have I done? What have I done to you? Now their answer would have been something like, we worship you in your temple as you've instructed us, and now we come to you for help because the Assyrians are threatening us, and yet even though we're offering sacrifices as you told us to, the Assyrians are still a threat. We are holding up our end of the bargain. You are not holding up your end of the bargain. And so God reminds them of his goodness. He begins by calling them my people. You're my people. Remember the Exodus, Moses and Aaron and Miriam. And remember Balak when he tried to hire the prophet to curse you. And that same prophet, Balaam, I made him bless you. Or do you remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal? That was the journey where they would cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. Just as a little side note, the exodus and the crossing of the Jordan into the promised land, those two things happened during the same time of year the time of Passover. And it is very possible, if not probable, that Micah 6 was prophesied during the Passover feast in Jerusalem. So God says, look, you're trying to convince me to save you with all these sacrifices, yet I did all those other things because of my loving kindness for you. I'm just looking for that same kind of justice and mercy from you. And not even towards me, but towards one another. And then Micah points out something perverse in their worship. They are using their worship as a way to manipulate and control God. It's become a racket. There is a lack of justice and mercy in the land. And they think they can buy God off. Verses six and seven. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. Now, what determines the value of something? 
In economics, the value of something is dependent on what someone else is willing to pay for it. Whatever someone's willing to pay for something, well, that's what it's worth. For example, what is a stamp worth? Well, if you're a stamp collector, someone just said 60-something cents. Uh, That is correct. Um, But if you're a stamp collector, it's worth more to you than 60-something cents because you value it more. This inverted Jenny stamp, inverted Jenny stamp originally sold for 24 cents. Somebody paid a million dollars for one. And what about coins? Well, a dime is worth 10 cents. Unless you're a coin collector and you're interested in collecting an 1894 S. Barber dime. Someone paid $2 million for one of those. People collect comic books. The 1938 copy of Action Comics number one, in 1938 it would have sold for 10 cents, a dime. Today, even if you had an 1894 S. Barber dime, you couldn't afford one of these comic books because they sell for up to $3 million. A million dollar for a stamp, two million for a coin, three million for a comic book. It all depends on what you value. Micah is pointing out to the Israelites, God doesn't value what you value. Or maybe a better way of saying that, you don't value what God values. For the Israelites, a year-old calf was an expensive offering. Thousands of rams was worth more. 10,000 rivers of oil was worth even more. Firstborn was worth even more. And basically they are saying, God, name your price. How much to buy you off? God can't be bought off. God can't be bought off with sacrifices. God wants us to value what he values, to live how God designed us to live. As it says in Romans 12, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Why? Is there such a lack of justice and mercy in the world? Let's go back to Remember New. Why is Remember New necessary? Why is there a child sex trade? Now, it'd be easy to say, because those people who run it, they're monsters. Or the consumers are monsters. Now make no mistake, it is a monstrous practice. But I think using the word monster to describe it makes it less real because monsters aren't real. There is a very simple reason that there is a child sex trade. And it's a very simple reason that is very real. Human trafficking exists because it's what some people want. There are people 
who value it. It's not right, but it's what some people want. If everyone did what was right instead of what they wanted, there would be no human trafficking. When I do what I want, or when doing what I want, is more valuable than doing what is right. That's the source of all injustice. All of it. Remember, new is trying to do what is right even though it costs them personally. Justice is doing what is right over what I want. Mercy, acting with loving kindness over selfishness. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And the reality of the gospel, the reality of the gospel is because God is a God of justice and mercy, he sent Jesus for us. Micah, was from a, a town in the Judean countryside, south of Jerusalem. There were several towns in the Judean countryside, south of Jerusalem. And earlier in his book, Micah mentions one of those other Judean towns, south of Jerusalem, in Micah 5.2, where he says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Many of you recognize this from the Christmas story. In the Christmas story, when Magi come to Jerusalem asking about the birthplace of the king of the Jews, the religious leaders quote Micah 5.2, Jesus, born in Bethlehem, and when Jesus had grown up and did public ministry for three years, he was in Jerusalem for the Passover. And remember, from earlier, the Passover was the same time of year that Micah 6 was prophesied. And Jesus is in the garden right before he is arrested and crucified. And he prays in the garden, Father, if it is possible... Take this cup from me. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He has a choice to make. To do what he wanted or to do what was right. And Jesus, like the Father, lived by justice and mercy. And in humility, he went to the cross to die for our sins. It's the reality of the gospel. It's the good news it changes everything. Because God is a God of justice and mercy, he sent Jesus for us. And God wants us to value what he values. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do thank you that you are a God of both justice and mercy. And we thank you that you always do what is right. And Lord, for your 
loving kindness to us. And I would ask that you would soften our hearts so that we can walk humbly with you. And Lord, submit to your will, even in those moments when we don't want to. It's in the name of our Savior Jesus we pray. Amen. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.